Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is March 10th. We have an agreement. Oh, I've been waiting to do this live show for 99 luffed red balloons. The Major League Baseball lockout is going to be lifted. The players have ratified an agreement. The owners are going to be voting shortly. There will be 23 votes. Everybody breathe. We've been saying it on nothing personal for a year, two years. Since 2016, we've been talking about it internally with Major League Baseball, knowing that this negotiation was going to include a work stoppage and that everyone was going to go right to the edge of the cliff, hanging by a hangnail, by an unmanicured, uncut, unpicked, completely anxiety-free nail, hanging right off, and then you'd see agreement. You're going to see name-calling. We saw that. You're going to see exasperation. We saw that. You're going to see cancellation of games. We saw that. You're going to see owners saying, we're a no. You saw that. We're going to see players saying, we're a no. You saw that. Everything has been normal this entire time. So why was there such an uproar? Why were fans losing their mind? I'd like to explain. It's pretty simple. It's called YouTube. It's called Twitter. It's called Instagram. It's called platforms. Something on nothing personal that we talk about all the time. When you've got a platform, you have a responsibility. I cautioned everyone not to worry about the ups and downs, not to focus on the roller coaster, but to just either enjoy the ride or sit out the ride, get some cotton candy, get some Cracker Jacks, and then come back when the agreement's done. But instead, people went up and down with every move, with every counter. There's a process. Do you think that the owners didn't know they were going to go to 230 on the CBT when they were at 210 and 218 and 220 and 222 and 228? Do you think the owners didn't know they were going to go to 700 on the minimum when they were at 620 and 640 and 650? Did you think the owners didn't know they were going to 50 million on the pre-arb pool when they were at 10, 15, 20, 30? When you start a negotiation, I hope you all watched the show this morning. We did a segment about how you decide when to do a deal, how you know whether or not you have a good deal or a deal that you're willing to do. How do you know? When you start you have to know where you want to be when you finish. You have to put it on a piece of paper. Literally, that's what baseball does when they're doing collective bargaining. That's what agents do when they're negotiating contracts. That's what people do in any sort of business. 
You put on a piece of paper, what are the goals of the current negotiation? Then you draw a chart, how to get to the goals. When we talked about player deals, we said, if you're willing to go five years to a player, you start by offering three. If you're willing to go up to 20 million a year, you start at 13 million a year. And then you go to 15 and 18. Meanwhile, if a player is willing to settle at 20, they're going to start at 25 or 26. There are moves that are made by either side that squeezes toward the middle. Not a midpoint settlement, because that's not where we end up, but they squeeze closer and closer together. Then you keep track of all of the other points that you are negotiating. All the media talked about was CBT. Is it a salary cap? What about the pre-arbitration pool? The players want $80 million and growing. The Fed, the owners want $20 million and not growing. <laughs> I got news for you. It's a 130-page document. There are so many other issues that need to be gone through. What is happening with marketing? Do they get decals on the uniform, on the helmet? Do we know? Are there expanded playoffs? Indeed. What happens to the grievances that exist for the 60-game season from 2020 and against four teams for not using their revenue-sharing dollars? What happens, get ready to dry your eyes, with pension? There is so much ERISA stuff, that is labor law things that have to do with human resources that make your eye glaze because you don't want to deal with it. You just open your envelope. How many of you do this? When you have a 401k at work, you sort of go online or you open your envelope. For the third quarter, you have a pension when you are 79 or 69 years old of $15.49 or $69.82. Or you will have a monthly salary if you retire at 55 of $1,249, right? Do you have any idea how any of that works? Do you know how much money your employer puts in? Do you know how much money you put in? Do you know how it's invested, where it's invested? Well, that's all part of the collective bargaining agreement. There are so many different layers to it. So yesterday was the culmination of something that started back on February 28th, when the owners had said, this is a deadline. And the players had said, that's not a real deadline. We're not going to pretend it's a deadline. And the owner said, all right, let's negotiate till March 1st. No deal. The, play the owner said, that's a deadline. The player said, eh, I'm not so sure. Guess what? It wasn't the deadline. So we continue on. Then we get to yesterday. Got to get done by yesterday or else MLB is going to cancel games. If you don't do it, I'll give you till five o'clock. Six o'clock, is that a real deadline? Eh, maybe, maybe not. MLB comes out with a very, very carefully worded statement last night. We touched on it a little bit when our word of the day was utmost respect. And the statement said that there cannot be games. We're taking two more series off the board. He didn't say because he didn't have a press conference, so we didn't have to answer the question. Are they gone forever? Are you going to pay players a full 162-game salary if they only play 150 games? Are you going to reschedule? Will there be an unbalanced schedule? Are you going to play your division rivals the same number of times? How long will spring training be? When does free agency start? All of the questions that could be asked when you meet the media, when you release a statement, the total number of questions you get, zero. The total number of people on the air who have a microphone and a platform who speculate like they know what they're talking about, who have never been in the room staggering, 
they're telling you it's the end of the world as we know it. What is baseball doing? Accept this deal if you're the players. Owners, what are you doing? Meet them halfway. Give, give, get, get. Everyone's going back and forth. It's a frenzy. But it turns out they were still negotiating. But word gets out about an international draft. And last night, no one can sleep. Is there an international draft? The owners are demanding it. They will not do a deal without an international draft. And I told you, we've been trying to get an international draft since 2002. There is zero chance, not 1%, a 0% chance that an international draft was going to have to happen for owners to ratify a deal. Zero. Guess who knew that? Players. Owners negotiators on both sides. It was a stink bomb thrown in by both sides in order to try to extract the last bit possible prior to falling off the edge of the cliff, which neither side was ever going to do. There were no issues like the ad, like the advent of free agency. That wasn't an issue here. Like how many years for free agency? That wasn't the issue here. Baseball made it very clear they weren't going to negotiate that. How quickly did baseball and the players get off their desire for five-year free agency? Like that. We don't even talk about it anymore because the owners said, not going to happen. The cliff, we won't be hanging from it. We'll both be together under it. And guess what? We're all rich without baseball. And the players said, "Uh uh-oh, okay, great point. We're not going to talk free agency. What about revenue sharing? Can we really stop all the revenue sharing to those small market teams? Let's get more money to the big market teams. And the owners said, we're not going to talk about that. The player said, you sure? I think that we should really curtail it a bit. Owners said, let me be clear. There are not 23 votes to ratify an agreement with any change to revenue sharing because there's a block of eight teams who receive revenue sharing who will not ratify a deal. Are we clear? Because if you ask for it, we'll be on the bottom of the cliff. And guess what? We're rich without baseball, and you're not. Okay, no revenue sharing. Is this owners being bad people? This is the reality of employer-employee relationship. It's the reality of collective bargaining. Okay, what about getting more money to players? Can we invent something like this pre-arb pool? And the owners said, huh, all right, we agree to that. Do you know how long ago the owners agreed to a pre-arb pool? Do you know when the owners do a calculation of this agreement and they figure out the gains they get from the agreement, like expanded playoffs or the marketing gains or the streaming money that they get, and then they look at the money in the pre-arb pool, they do a calculation and they know before they start, of course, we're good with the pre-arb pool, but now we're going to have to negotiate the amount, wink, wink, we're willing to go to 50, and also whether or not money the team spend in that pre-arb pool, that better count against the CBT because every dollar going to Mets players is going to count toward the Mets CBT. The players say, all right, we're getting somewhere. We're going to get younger players paid more. It's all good. Let's negotiate the number. Meanwhile, in the background, lurking, five of eight members of the executive council, clients of Scott Boris, Max Scherzer, yelling and screaming at the top of his lungs how disingenuous owners were. Meanwhile, Max Scherzer's never bargained anything in his life, doesn't know how to do it, much like I don't know how to pitch. I get it. I can't do what he does. He can't do what we do. And we're all okay because we need each other. It's a symbiotic relationship when we each do what we are best at and we listen to one another without screaming like your hair is on fire. 
But some of the things that went on during this negotiation should be very telling to the fans because they certainly were telling to owners. And today, it was telling to the players. Rumors abound that Scott Boris and his players were unhappy with this deal. Rumors abound that the Mets were unhappy. They did not want any cap on spending. The Steve Cohn tax that we discussed on a previous show, they did not want it. Why? Because if you've got an owner willing to go to $300 million or $350 million in a payroll, you might as well take advantage of the fact there's no salary cap and let him spend. That means that all the players from Lindor to Scherzer to everybody else, they can keep Alonzo, they can re-sign Conforto, they could get Correa, they could do anything they want. Is that good for the game? Maybe good for Steve Cohn and the Mets, but it's not good for the rest of the teams in the National League East. It's not good for the rest of the teams in baseball. So what initially started as the George Steinbrenner tax when the CBT was first invented and first bargained, it's now known as the Steve Cohn tax. There is an extra layer of tax at the very top that will always impact at most one or two teams. So how do you feel about that? If you're a player, well, if you don't have Scott Boris as an agent, I'm not sure you care less about what the Mets are doing. Here's why. The majority of the 1,200 players in the union, the overwhelming majority of the 1,200 players in the union will never see free agency. They will never see arbitration. They want to get as much service time and as much of the minimum salary as they can before they go on to their next careers. That's the reality of the majority of people on the 40-man roster of every team. So today, the owners made one more proposal and said, here we are at the edge. You have till 3 p.m. to accept it. And mark my words, before we didn't mean it, you may not believe us, but we're not playing 162 if you don't agree to this. And we're not paying you for 162 when you don't agree to this. So you better think very carefully, because if you think that the movement that we made from last week to this week, after we had a deadline, air quote, if you think that movement's coming again next week, I have a surprise for you. And this is just me and you, Bruce, said Dan Hallam. This is me and you, Tony, said Rod, said Rob Manford. I promise you, not only will there not be forward movement, there will be backwards movement. You can take the chance, but you may want to talk to your rank and file. You may want to ask them, are you willing to take the chance? Are you willing to gamble a year of your career? Are you willing to gamble a year of your life where you get older and less able to perform in your peak? Are you willing to delay your free agency by a year? I'm just asking the question, you go to your players. In a last ditch effort, rumors came out that Boris and his clients were gonna vote no. The way it works for the players, there are 30 team representatives, there are eight members of the executive council, that's 38 votes. You need to get 25 votes to win. I had been under the impression, and I need to check on this, Coca. I thought from my past that every player voted, and I thought that it was 601. It turns out that it's the player reps who vote on behalf of their teams, and they, in a group text, they say, are you in, are you in, are you out? Which way do you want me to go? It almost reminds me of family feud when you're trying to steal after the other team gets three strikes 
And then everyone's yelling at the head of the family in the first spot. And then Steve Harvey walks over, Richard Dawson, one of my favorites, walks over, gives a kiss and says, all right, what's it going to be? Everybody's screaming. And then the person in front, the person in charge comes up with the final answer. Is that your final answer? And that's what the union reps did. So there were 38 votes. The final vote, it appears, was 26 to 12. That's enough. What about the executive council? They're going to say to you that they voted unanimously in favor of this deal because they are not going to subject Scott Boris to any further scrutiny from anyone but me. So once you know, it's what we told you happened with the commissioner. Remember when he was just voted 23 to 7 to become commissioner? And then there was a second vote, which was unanimous because why vote no when you've lost? And all of a sudden, it's 30 to 0 and you get to announce, hi, it's 30 to 0. It's unanimous. We're all good. They're going to leak. I bet you that it was 8 nothing on that subcommittee to protect Boris. And I will bet you dollars to donuts that it was not 8 nothing that all eight players on the executive council did not vote in favor during the 38-vote vote. You're going to hear teams dissented. Do we know what the teams were? Mets, Yankees, Astros, Cardinals. Hmm. Which players are on that team? Hold on. Let me think about it. Wait, wait one second. The Mets player. Ooh, is that Max Scherzer? Wait, is he a Met? I don't, I don't, can't remember. He may be. All right. What about the Yankees? They signed that guy, that pitcher from Pittsburgh and the garbage can guy, the foreign substance guy. What was his name again? Oh, Garrett Cole. Yeah, that's, that's a Yankee. Hmm. Houston. Do they have any Boris clients? I can't think right now. Huh? Indeed they do. Four teams dissenting 26 to four. We've got ourselves a deal. What's everybody panicked about. So now what? Is there residual anger by fans? That's what people are going to write about. People are going to say it on Twitter. The fans are angry. Will they come back? What will happen with league revenue? As compared to 2020 and 2021, league revenue will increase. There are more streams of revenue, pun intended, that are heading towards MLB. There are more marketing opportunities. And now you have five-year labor piece. Five years. The memory of this 99-day work stoppage, when we do a nothing personal episode in three years and we say to you, hey, how long was that work stoppage back in 2021? If you don't associate it with Nina and sing 99 Red Balloons, you're not going to remember how many days it was. Hey, who won the World Series in 2020? Dodgers? Yep. How many games were there? 60? Yeah. How come you remember that? It was COVID. Quite remarkable. When you look back at the team records for 2022 and 23 and 24 and 25 and 26, they're all going to add up to 162. Owners, players all knew from the beginning that fans were not going to have an issue. They were going to yell and scream. They were going to be represented by a small segment of the population. But once the game started and once there was action on the field and the crack of the bat, Everything gets forgiven. So what are teams focused on right now? As president of a team, I have been preparing for this. I knew this day was coming. So now we've got an operation ready to go. I've got my spring training personnel already staged at spring training. They're all in Jupiter. They don't have to get there. I've got the clubhouse manager. 
I've got the entire coaching staff, all the clubhouse assistants. I've got the locker room set up. I've got the manager ready in Jupiter, Florida. I've got the manager prepared with his schedule for spring training. Exactly who's going to do what, when, which fields people are going to be on. We've got the game schedule ready because games are going to start March 17th. Don't know who we're playing. We don't care. We start setting up when bullpens are being thrown, what our infield drills, what our PFP is going to be, meaning all of these things that you do to prepare for a regular spring training. All of that is ready to go. I've got doctors who are ready to come to the facility to give physicals to players. We've got the dentist. We've got the eye doctor. We've got the finger up the you-know-where doctor. Everyone's ready. The orthopod, ready. We're going to have MRIs ready to go. There will be players who we fail every year because they're not in shape or there's something wrong with them and they were invites to spring training. You release them immediately. Players who pass the physical go right on the field for the first workout. Players have to report by the, what is it, Coca, the 13th, three days from now. The first workout will be that exact day and the teams will be ready. What about your roster? We are completely ready with which free agents we are going after, if any. Because here's a little nugget for you. We know exactly where our payroll is going to be. We had it budgeted and we knew. The only possible change could be teams that were waiting to see where CBT would end. And if the players agreed at 230, their payroll will be 229. If the CBT were going to be 228, their payroll is going to be 227. So I have a piece of paper. I've got a spreadsheet where I ever, God willing, never happened, where I ever to run a team that could butt up against that line. There's only five of them. The other 25 teams didn't matter where the CBT landed. They have confirmation of what their revenue sharing is going to be. They know what their central fund distribution is going to be, which is money that comes from the commissioner into your budget. So these teams are ready to go with signing players. So what do you do? Do you go after big players right now? If you were going to go after them before, you go after them now. If the Braves weren't going to give six years to Freddie Freeman 99 days ago, they're not giving six years to Freddie Freeman today. If Freddie Freeman is going to get six years from another team 99 days ago, he's going to get six years from a team in the next couple of days. If nobody's ready to sign Carlos Correa to a deal above Seager, uh, sort of in the Lindor area, then Boris will not let Correa sign. It doesn't matter that spring training starts. When you're trying to get a 10-year deal, if you miss two weeks of spring training or three weeks of spring training, doesn't make a difference because you're about to get the most guaranteed money everywhere. So the off-season that normally get goes from October, let's say, until February, went from October to December, took a little break, and now starts again. But it's not like GMs were sitting around and presidents were sitting around doing nothing. They've got their entire list of minor league free agents that are going to try to sign major league free agents. They know who fits onto their roster. They know who they have to take off their roster once they sign these free agents. It's called roster management. All of those things are ready to go. All of the offers are ready to go. Do you know what's not happening today for the first time? I'm sorry to say, are we live? Well, I'll just tell you right now. If you think that teams are speaking to agents for the first time right now about these big free agents, I'm sorry, it's not accurate. Now, some of the mid-level, 
small free agents, one to $3 million players, maybe a $6 million player, even, even maybe a Schwarber. But my guess is Schwarber has had conversations. But the people at the top end where there's a huge financial investment by a team, those conversations have been ongoing. And any deals that are announced, I promise you, they did not start their discussions tonight after the lockout is lifted. Tonight, March 10th. I don't know when you're listening to this. I think we're live. That is the reality of what the negotiations are like. It's sort of like in basketball when these sign and trade deals happen and they get announced immediately and everyone says, wow, that was so quick. And then the NBA starts to find teams because they're like, hey, you didn't even hide the fact that you were tampering. Or in the NFL, when, when trades are made right at the deadline for when you can make them, it doesn't come together like that. Same in baseball. So front offices are going to say, oh, we're too busy to respond to emails. We're too busy to make appearances for the marketing and sales side. I've seen this when I was running a team. When the baseball department gets really busy right around this time, they're always like, oh, we can't really help out. You know, we've got way too much to do. We're way too busy. You're going to hear a lot of that from players. Hey, we got to get ourselves in shape. No, I can't go sign autographs. I'm busy. But you know what? The players are happy to be back. The owners are happy to have the players back. And the animosity that you think exists between owners and players, it's really not accurate. The team presidents will go into the clubhouse. The GMs will go into the clubhouse. They'll see their players. They'll chat about what went on. They'll roll their eyes. They'll all have plausible deniability because everybody always says to the other side, can you believe what our side did? God, they were so stubborn. They're not rubbing it in. As president, I don't rub it into the players for what they gave up or what they didn't get. Players don't come up to me and say, nah, 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 nah. You guys lost. We got a better labor deal. That doesn't happen when you're with players. You're going to chat for a few minutes about the insanity. You're going to tell the player, please take care of yourself and try not to strain a hamstring. Please take care of your forearm and don't throw 98 right now. We don't need it. It's going to be a long season. We're going to be ready. And then spring training starts. And then we head toward regular season, and it's simply a day. My first ever regular season was April 3rd, 2000. Opening day today is going to be April, what is it, 5th, 7th? Let's call it April 7th. So that's just opening day. So you count backwards from your exhibition games. You set up your rotation. You calculate it. And then the season starts. And then you're into the grind of the season. So let me put a bow on this. I don't even know how long it's been, Coke. I don't know when we started. I didn't write it down. I want to answer some questions. But can I answer questions, Coca? But I want to put a bow and an end to this in case you want to release this just like as a separate pod. After all of the back and forth, the deal that was signed today by the Players Association and agreed to and signed by the owners and ratified by 23 or more of the owners is a deal that could have been worse for both sides and could have been better for both sides. And that is why it's a deal that was agreed to. It's exactly in the range of a deal that both sides expected when they started. It is a deal that both sides can publicize, hey, we won. But they're not going to. Because it doesn't make sense from a PR standpoint, and there's been so much about PR during this negotiation, you don't need to or want to do it. You may hear some leaks now and again. You may hear an agent say something through a player. You may hear a player, maybe a Marcus Stroman or a Max Scherzer, say something about Rob Manford, who, by the way, never did anything wrong other than not be perfect at a press conference. 
he carried the water for the owners exactly the way he was supposed to. For all the players who think Rob's going to get fired, not going to happen. For all the owners who think that Rob's not going to get a raise, not going to happen. He came out and got an agreement, and he managed to herd owners in a way that would make Bud Selig proud. And they will look back on this time, and they will look back on this back and forth. And the one area of improvement that they will point to is they will hope for better and more communication during the life of this CBA. Don't forget for the past five years, the players and the owners and the negotiators for each side have been at each other's throats in the bargaining sense. They haven't agreed to anything. Anytime the owners wanted to do something, the players said no. Anytime the players wanted to do something, the owners said no. Players were filing grievances left, right, and center. There was such vitriol between the two sides. If they took anything away from this, I am very hopeful that over the course of these five years, there's healing. Will Tony Clark retain his job? Wait to see. Will Bruce Meyer stay with the union? No chance. He will be gone. He will move on to his next project. But how will the players and owners interact over the next five years? That's what we should look for. But in the meantime, short term, We've got baseball. We've got games. We've got winners, losers. And at the end of a full 162 and expanded playoffs and an October to die for, we will have another team going down Broad Street and fitting their rings for fingers. <laughs> Ready? Four, six, 69. We will have winners. We will have losers. We will have an unbelievable October. We will have a winner at the end with a parade down Broad Street fitting rings for their fingers. Remember, it's always been just business. This is nothing personal. 